Welcome to Broadband Conversations, the podcast where I get to talk to leading women from across the technology, innovation, and media industries. You get to hear what they're working on, what's on their minds, and what they think is the next big thing. My name is Jessica Rosenworcel, and I'm a member of the Federal Communications Commission. And today, my guest is Emily Ramshaw, who is the Chief Executive Officer and co-founder of The 19th, a new nonprofit digital newsroom reporting at the intersection of women, politics, and policy. And I'm especially glad to have Emily joining us today for a few reasons. For starters, we are all looking for the latest news on the pandemic and what our communities are doing to respond to this crisis. But at the same time, the economics that have powered journalism are changing. So many reporters are doing such important work, but creating and sustaining news organizations at this time, it's challenging. And I know Emily knows this. She's had such a long and impressive career in journalism. She was the former editor-in-chief of the Texas Tribune. And now at her new venture, The 19th, she's looking beyond the Lone Star State and shining a light on stories about women. And remember, women are on the front lines in this crisis. In fact, one in three jobs held by women has been designated as essential. And finally, I just love this bit of history about where Emily's organization gets its name. This year marks 100 years since the 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution was ratified. And that, of course, is the amendment that guaranteed women the right to vote. So I'm glad I can talk to her during this centennial year for women's suffrage, though I'm pretty sure it's not how either of us plan to commemorate this historic event during this uh, strange and unprecedented crisis. But Emily, I am so glad that you are being here today. Thank you so much for having me. As you said, it's a very strange time to be launching a new startup, uh, but I'm thrilled for the opportunity to talk to you about it. Yeah, so I wanna hear how you're doing during these days, but I also want you to tell me how you got started doing journalism in a world that's gone digital and what propelled you to start the 19th and got you to where you are today. Absolutely. So, uh, well, the way back story is that I'm the child of two journalists. So this has always been in uh, my That's the real origin story for journalism. It's in your blood. But I've spent the last 10 years uh, largely running the editorial operation at the Texas Tribune, which was a startup a decade ago when it began. And really, this idea to launch the 19th first came to me about four years ago. Uh, I was on maternity leave with a little baby girl. Uh, Donald Trump had just been inaugurated. There were women's marches. There were you know, big conversations around the Capitol. It seemed like a political moment where women were more deeply engaged than ever. And I thought to myself, you know, we have worked so hard to build a more representative democracy in Texas by way of the Texas Tribune with a sustainable business model for local news. Could I extrapolate that business model uh, and that sort of sense of community and audience building onto a national stage for women, politics, and policy? Uh, you know, as I'm sure you know, having an infant, it wasn't the right time to, to pursue this. And it was about three years until I really started to see the light again at the end of that tunnel. Um, and we decided going into this 2020 cycle that this was the moment and we were going to take the leap and launch this venture. And it's all digital, correct? It is all digital, although one of the key uh, priorities for us is that all of our journalism will be entirely free to distribute and republish by other news organizations around the country. So you should be expecting to see a lot of our stories and bylines uh, in print and on air. Oh, that's exciting. And I know research has been done and it shows that women are generally underrepresented in a lot of media environments, You know, from behind the camera to who reports the news. 
even news sources and who gets quoted by journalists themselves. So yeah, the way that I think about this is, you know, we know that roughly 70% of politics and policy uh, editors are men and almost all of them are white. We know that something like 63 or 64% of politics and foreign policy reporters are men and almost all of them are white. This is nothing against white men. I'm married to a terrific one, but, but what that means is that the news is already gendered. You know, these are the people who are deciding what's news and what isn't, whether a story plays on the front page or the home page, who's quoted in that story, who we're empathizing with in that story. I'm sort of trying to, to change this structure and change, you know, turn this narrative on its head so that we have better representation of women across all of our media properties. Yeah, that's exciting because, you know, there's stories that haven't been told when the community that's telling them is more similar than I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, I think, it, you know, we see over and over again that women don't feel like they're reflected or they don't see women who look like them in a lot of mainstream media. You know, our, our primary goal with the 19th is really to elevate the voices of women of color and women off of the coasts, underserved women in American media. It makes sense. Are you, you're headquartered in Texas then and sort of reaching out all across the country from Texas, or do you have folks around the country working with you? We have folks all over the country and we'll have a staff of about 21 people over the next eight weeks. Uh, we officially launch late this summer and you can expect to see those journalists all over the country. Um, you know, our home base from the standpoint of our platforms and technology and, and product is in Austin, Texas, which is home for the two co-founders of this venture. Uh, it was, we think, important for us to be situated really in the center of the country to um, tackle the mission that we have before us. But yes, please expect to see journalists all across this country. And so how did the idea come, how'd you come up with this idea? I mean, did it come to you in some epiphany at night that you wanted to do this? Or was this brewing in the back of your mind for some years while you were at the Texas Tribune? I thought about this in the back of my mind, really for the last four years since my daughter was born. Um, but I, I really wasn't in a position to take the leap then for a, a wide range of reasons. About a year ago, I was in a hotel room at a conference and I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought to myself, this idea has been percolating. Uh, if someone else does this instead of me, I'm gonna be really disappointed that I didn't take the leap. And it was that sort of moment where I realized I had to do this. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, that sounds like the sort of entrepreneurial moment in uh, a script or a movie about what you're developing, that you woke up in a sweat in the middle of the night thinking that this was what you had to do, but um, it's the reality, really- Yeah, the reality is a whole lot less sexy. <laughs> ah, right. Well, well, I'm going to imagine it as such. And um, the thing that probably you weren't thinking about at that moment when you woke up was, well, I'm going to introduce this media organization into uh, a country navigating a global pandemic. You know, yes, in this that, crisis. That um, was never part of the plans, as you might imagine. Of course not, yeah. But in this crisis, women are so important. I mean, as I said at the start, you know, they are one in three essential workers. They are helping in our hospitals, caring for loved ones. They're cleaning shared spaces. They're stocking shelves. They're trying to develop vaccines. And I feel like there are so many stories to tell. And I'm wondering how you're thinking about that now as you're, you know, taking your uh, entrepreneurial idea and making it meet this moment. 
Absolutely. That's a great question. And I'll tell you, it hasn't been easy. I mean, in in March, when it became obvious how severe this pandemic was going to be, you know, we actually sort of put our foot on the brake for a moment and thought, uh, you know, should we just hunker down and try to ride out this storm and launch the 19th, you know, a year from now, hopefully, you know, when the dust has settled. But the more we thought about this moment, we kept seeing ways that women were even more disproportionately affected by this pandemic. You know, as you mentioned, in, in literally every arena other than mortality rates, women are being hit harder. They are losing jobs at faster rates. They are 75% of the frontline healthcare workers who have been sickened with COVID. They are nine out of 10 elementary school teachers who are trying to keep tabs on their own students and, you know, monitor their own children's e-learning I mean, you know, over and over again, we saw the hits keep coming and the disproportionate effect was was worse with women of color. And so for that reason, we actually sped up our plans. Um, you know, we were had rolled out a marketing, primarily marketing newsletter that was landing about once a week. We quickly pivoted it into a newsmaking newsletter that was, you know, three, four, soon to be five days a week. Uh, we upped the rate of our publishing. Uh, we had been publishing with the Washington Post. We also rolled out a partnership with the Philadelphia Inquirer because one of our top political reporters was actually on the ground in Philly. She was grounded there uh, during the pandemic. So yeah, I mean, we have moved in many ways full speed ahead. Now, it's a frightening time to be doing this for all of the sort of economic reasons you laid out, but we have money in the bank and the runway to make a go at this and we're gonna give it our best shot. Oh, that sounds terrific. Rather than using this moment to slow down, you really put your foot on the gas. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, another challenging thing beyond trying to tell stories about women or things that might be perceived as non-traditional in journalism is that the ad-supported model for traditional media is challenged. We're now seeing some newspapers become nonprofits. The media landscape is shifting. So talk to me about how you think you might have a new model that can help really propel newsrooms to the you know, digital present and the future? Yeah, sure. So I am largely trying to take the very entrepreneurial nonprofit model that we championed at the Texas Tribune onto a national stage. And so that's five primary revenue streams. That is everything from individual philanthropy and foundation support to corporate underwriting, to a robust membership program that is you know, sort of a public radio viewers like you style, uh, to live events. Now, uh, I would say virtually every aspect of that diversified revenue model that has worked so well for us over the last decade at the Tribune is facing challenges in this particular moment. You know, People uh, don't have the uh, financial strength that they did several months ago. Uh, corporations are, uh, you know, spending less on advertising and, and social um, media and corporate underwriting in this particular moment. You know, even individual members, whether it's $19 a month or $19 a year, people feel the pinch. So I think, you know, the nonprofit uh, media universe is going to face many of the same challenges that the for-profit space is currently experiencing you know, in many ways, it's sort of on steroids in the for-profit arena because of the advertising dollar, you know, hemorrhage that's underway right now. Sure. So would you describe that as your biggest challenge in starting the 19th or is there something else? And, and I'm also curious because, you know, uh, what's been your greatest success with the start of this new venture? 
Well, I'd say uh, certainly the business model aspect and, you know, trying to launch any new business in a recession is uh, exceedingly difficult. And so I would say, you know, that is among the two biggest challenges. The other biggest challenge is I also think is an opportunity. And that is, you know, we are really trying to find a way to speak to a super diverse audience. And I mean diverse demographically, but I also mean diverse politically. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of conservative women who have not seen themselves reflected in much media of late. And I think trying to speak to them, trying to speak to uh, women of color who also feel like they haven't seen themselves deeply reflected in a lot of sort of legacy media. This is this is a big challenge for us as we try to determine, you know, sort of how big of a tent we can have journalistically. So I'd say those are the the two things I'm thinking about day in and day out right now. All right, so but now let's go a little self-promotional. Talk about what your greatest success is starting out. I think you will see in the next eight weeks us unveiling one of the most diverse newsrooms in America, and that is something I'm exceedingly proud of. I also think you'll see that we are providing the kinds of benefits for uh, working women, working moms that allow them really to advance and excel in this field. Um, that includes everything from six months of fully paid family leave for new parents to four months of fully paid caregiver leave. So you can you know, spend the last four months of your mom or dad's life with them without worrying about uh, the, the parameters or confines of your job. You know, we're offering something that until a couple of months ago was quite novel, and that is fully remote workspaces, the flexibility to work from wherever you have the best child care or wherever you have the best elder care. We really want to prove the case that we can roll out a gold standard for families uh, in our organization and, and make it sort of par for the course in organizations that we consider our peers. Oh, that sounds terrific. And also... Having a diverse newsroom telling stories that don't always get told because you know what we read about, what we see on screens, it says so much about who we are as individuals, as communities, as a nation. And you know, diversifying the people who tell those stories is, I think, good for all. Agree with you entirely. All right. So I've got a few more final questions I like to ask everyone before they go. So think back, Emily. Can you recall what's the first thing you did on the internet or online? Oh my gosh, that is a great question. I, uh, I would say I not so fondly remember being on AOL Instant Messenger from the office in our sort of in the upstairs of my childhood home, trying to chat with my friends, uh, trying to make that dial-up internet work, uh, that sort of screeching noise that identified to everyone in the household that I was trying to get on the internet. Absolutely, that that hiss and buzz is iconic. So, um, so let's be much more, you know, mundane. What's the very last thing you did online before joining us here? I had a Zoom call with my daughter's pre-K, uh, which is hoping that it's going to be able to open in some capacity this fall. But it was an, a sort of orientation session with about forty-four-year-olds, and it was a nightmare. Oh my gosh, I can identify with that, the whole screen time school thing right now. We are all navigating um, a future we didn't really imagine a few months ago. So more broadly, what do you want the future of digital and internet life to look like? I mean, I, know, I can tell you what I want the future of digital media to look like, and that is financially sustainable, um, accessible to a broader swath of the public, 
um, smart and thoughtful and empathetic, um, a step away from sort of the horse race uh, into the lived experiences of everyday Americans um, and, and diverse representative. That's what I hope. Oh, that meet sounds you good. And that looks like. <laughs> all right, so you're doing all these good things. So before we go, tell us where folks can follow you to keep up to date with what you're doing, where you are online or on social media so they can keep tabs on your work and the work of the 19th. Absolutely. So we hope that you will check out our website, which is 19thnews.org, 19thnews.org. You can sign up for our free newsletter there. Uh, we also hope that you'll follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, the, the handle is at 19th News, 19th News. Fantastic. So that wraps up this episode of Broadband Conversations. Thank you for being here, Emily, for the work you do. And thanks to everyone for listening. Take care. <laughs>